Love of all. 
Father, we thank you that you have put us on this earth for, for a reason, and it's a reason that will make you look good, that will exalt you, that will draw people's attention to you and their hearts to you. Lord, I pray that as we look into your purposes in your word, that you just really seal that inside of us, Lord, that it just be um, imprinted and blazoned on our, on our hearts and souls, we ask. Thank you today for this chance to investigate your truth. Let it be a light to our path. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so good. Last week we started with worship as our first purpose. And uh, this week we're going to talk about witness, the second purpose that God has for us. Now, worship is the one that gets it all going. It's uh, where we praise God, we give Him worth, we adore Him, we praise Him. Um, and that is the, that's the, that's the, thing that unlocks um, all, of, uh, all of God's other purposes in our life. Um, so that's really the key. Now when we get to, to worship, to witness, witness is basically telling other people what God has done for us. It's kind of like what a witness does in a courtroom. They show up in a courtroom and they simply report what God did, for, what, not, what they saw in a particular event. And what we're doing when we witness for Christ is we're telling other people what he's done for us. We're not saying Things we don't know, things we didn't experience, we're not making things up. We say, this is exactly what happened when I encountered Jesus in my life. Now, our witness is something that flows out of who we are. Okay, God said to Israel, I will make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. God raised up an entire nation of people to tell his story to the world, to draw them to him so that they might find salvation. And then Jesus says to us, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. That's who we are. What does salt do? It flavors. It preserves. Keeps things from getting rotten. It uh, makes people thirsty. And light, what does light do? Light helps us to see. Light helps us to navigate our surroundings. Light shows the way. Light shows who God is and, and the way to him and his life. So we are, if you're in Christ, you are salt and you are light. That's your identity. We don't take a light and we put it under a bowl. That does not fit with what a light is. And Jesus said that. If you are a light, you don't hide it. You let it shine. So, you know, the way boats float, boat, a boat is designed to float because a boat floats. It can save people. It's just doing what it is. Fire trucks douse flames. So when there's a fire... They go to it, they can douse the flames and save the people inside our burning building. It's just doing what it is. And we are doing what we're supposed to do when we're being salt and light in our world. Now, this purpose is probably the most mm, challenging, most difficult one, I would say, for people. If you're anything like me, you hear the word witness or evangelist, and you think, I can't do that. I'm not real talkative, I'm kind of shy. I don't like make, making people squirm when I talk about things. I don't like being rejected. Well, here's something to think about. God isn't asking us to be something that we are not. He's asking us to be who he made us. And he's telling us to tell our story. God doesn't want you to be something that you're not. He wants his saving grace to flow through you, through your personality, through your experiences, through your passions. And you need to find out what that is. If you're a Christ follower, you have so much to offer. You know? and, and the hard thing for a lot of us is finding our voice. 
well, who am I in being a witness? How does that work out? And for me, I struggled with this a lot. It was the hardest thing in the world for me to do. I thought, God, if I can learn how to do this by the time I'm 30, I'll be happy. Because every time I've tried to share my faith, it seems like it's been so awkward and the people have been uncomfortable and I never wanted to do it again. And it took me a while to finally find my voice, my way in this whole thing. And now it's just like, you know, it's me. Um, So um, we need to do that. Now, there's a lot of stuff that you have to offer people. If you're in Christ, you have peace. And people want peace. A lot of their decisions about money, about relationships, or I just want to be at peace inside. I don't, want to have, I don't want to have turmoil. But people get into adulthood. They start off their life. Things go pretty well, maybe for a little bit, and then they may start to crash. When they start to crash, they're looking around. They're saying, is there any possibility of me ever having peace again? There's turmoil in my life. And they start looking. Who has peace? Who has peace? You know, I don't know if you heard this. You may have heard the story of uh, this guy, billionaire Jeffrey Epstein, Epstein, and a uh, billionaire, and he was caught uh, allegedly being involved in sex trafficking. And just a few days ago, in his jail cell, he hung himself before the trial. So here's a man with a billionaire, not a millionaire, a billionaire. You think if you could have peace through finances and money, this guy would have had it. But he didn't because then he apparently went into this whole thing with sex trafficking. Didn't have peace there and he had nothing. And now he has nothing. Now he's just, he's just lost. His life is over. You know, people, if somebody, if he would have just looked up and found somebody with peace, he could have found his way out of the darkness and the mess that he found himself in. So we need to be able to just be there for people who are looking for that. You also have healthy relationships. And who doesn't want healthy relationships? Who doesn't want a healthy marriage? Who doesn't want to have good relationships with their parents or their kids or their coworkers or their friends or their neighbors? You know, and people are, people are watching for that. People need to see how do you do this. And Jesus, the New Testament, is all over relationships. And what I find so hopeful is, even if you don't know how to do good relationships, God will teach you how to do good relationships. And I have found myself just learning, you know, all through my adult years, this is how you handle this, this is how you handle that, this is how you relate to your wife, this is how you deal with problems with your children, this is the way when you have a conflict, how you deal with conflict. And it's like, you know what, this really works. It really does. I, I know a, a pastor in town, and he was saying, you know, that, that he, he's got small children. He says he has people ask him all the time about, how is your family so good? You know, just because he has good relationships with his wife and his kids. And something else that you have to offer people is your character. Character involves doing the right thing even when it costs you. People are watching you, the kind of person that you are. Neighbors are watching People are comparing and criticizing and envying. Why? Because they're watching. That's what people do. People go to the the mall just to people watch, right? People sit on outside cafes in downtown cities and they just like watching the people go by. And when they look at you, what do they see? Is there something about your life that says to them, hey, you know what, I, I kind of wonder about that. There's this guy named Pete, and he was raised, he, was by, he was, uh, started his first nine years in the so, former Soviet Union. He was raised by agnostic parents. Came to America, and became an adult, still an agnostic, but one day he called up a pastor, and he says, I want to talk to you about Christianity. 
So the pastor said, okay. So they met at a restaurant, and the pastor was kind of curious. He says, why is it that you want to talk about Christianity? I'm just curious. And he says, well, um, I work in business with several families, and these, these families all have healthy families, and they have what I want. I'm not married. I'm a single guy, and I'm looking to get married someday. And all these families over here, they've got it. They've got it going on. He says, and also, they're all Christians, so they've got, they got what I want, healthy marriages and healthy families, and they're Christians. So I want to know about Christianity. And so for the next 10 months, this pastor met with this Pete like every other week, and finally Pete prayed to receive Christ. Why? Because he was watching people who had character. They had something that he wanted. Now, like I say, this, this purpose is uh, we just need to just put it out there. This is a tough one. This is a hard one. This is the one that often gets totally ignored by Christians in the church. We don't do very well with this one. So we need to just, we, I just find it very helpful to be totally honest. You know, when I was dealing with this and my own struggles with sharing my faith, one of the best things I ever did was just saying, you know what, I'm a chicken. I'm a chicken. That's, the, that's just the, the facts. I'm afraid of getting rejected and that's why I'm not doing this. I'm just not very good. I just put it out there. So look at, look at the difficulties or the, the uh, things that are kind of unusual and unique about this outreach purpose. First of all, it's the only purpose that we will not do in heaven. Thought about that? We have five purposes. We will worship in heaven. That's going on right now. Worship is going on in heaven. I believe we're going to grow in heaven. Because, you know, when, we, when, when a Christian goes to heaven, they don't become omniscient. They don't become God. They don't become an angel. They become a redeemed person. In a, in, and eventually with a resurrection body. I believe we're going to be learning in heaven still. We're going to serve in heaven. Jesus said, if you're faithful with what I've given you, come and I'm going to give you many cities to watch over, other stuff to take care of. You're going to do something. And there's going to be community in heaven. You know, it's hell where there's no community. It says there's blackest darkness in hell. People are separated from each other. Or if there's any kind of relationship, it's horrible relationships. But in heaven, it's going to be great relationships and community. But when it comes to evangelism, there aren't any unbelievers in heaven, so there's nobody to evangelize. So we only have this small window of opportunity to share Christ with people, and then one day it's going to be over. Four of the five are going to be done forever, but this one will not be. So we need to take advantage of it while we have the opportunity. Here's another thing that's unique about it. It gets a lot of pushback. If you've ever tried witnessing or sharing your faith or talking about Jesus to somebody, you may have noticed they weren't very receptive. <laughs> Anybody had that experience? Okay. All right. Some had that experience. Even Jesus had pushback. You know, it's amazing. You read this one story. He, he, there's this guy tormenting an entire village and region. He, he was demonized. The Bible says he had six... The name of the demon in him was Legion, and one Legion is um, 6,000 Roman soldiers. So it's like he was saying, I had 6,000 demons in him. And he was a wild, crazy man, breaking chains, running around naked among the tombs, and Jesus sets him free, and the demons go into this herd of 2,000 pigs, run down the bankman, drown in the Sea of Galilee. We're thinking, yay, victory, this guy's set free and he's in the right mind, he's clothed. You know, he can't torment people and the townspeople come and tell Jesus, would you please leave? You're freaking us out. Just get out of here, we don't want you around. Isn't that weird? So Jesus gets pushed out, he got rejected. 
his, his hometown people. They didn't have enough faith, and he couldn't do. In fact, they one time tried to push him off a cliff. So if you think the, the master himself, the son of God, is rejected, you know, if we represent him, yeah, it kind of comes with the territory. The apostle Paul, literally, he got stoned. I'm talking about he didn't get drunk. I mean, he literally got stoned. They threw rocks at him and dragged him outside the city, thought he was dead. Sometimes they were trying to pull him apart. They beat him and put him in prison. I mean, he, he got roughed up so many times. So evangelism or outreach makes the sparks fly in your life. All right? So you might as well get used to that a little bit. It's just coming. I don't think that's all bad. Personally, I think it's good. I think it makes you feel more alive, really. You know, I love what Philemon, it's a little letter. It's one chapter in the New Testament. I think it's verse 6. It says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, that you may understand every good thing that you have in Christ. That I believe we can't even understand all the good stuff that we have without sharing our faith in Christ. There's so much more to know of his goodness in us. And then because there's pushback on evangelism, that means there's also a lot of fear involved with this purpose. I mean, who enjoys being rejected? Or feeling tension or weirdness in a relationship. I mean, I don't like that. But it does happen. So, if this outreach purpose includes hazards like these, why bother with doing it at all, right? Well, here's, here's why. Because if we don't do these things, people remain spiritually dead and deserving of wrath. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, 2 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Okay, that's really bad news for people who, aren't, who don't know, have Christ in their life. That they are spiritually dead right now. There's not a person on the planet who doesn't have Jesus who's fully alive. Whatever you see of them being happy or smiling or jumping around or anything, nobody is fully alive if they do not have Christ in their life. There's part of them that is dead. And then deserving of wrath. Can we really say that we love people, that we care about their well-being if we do nothing to wake them up spiritually? We can't find salvation in anyone but Jesus. That's not a popular statement, but that's what the apostles said in Acts 4.12. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. He's it. There's no plan B. There's Jesus, and that's it. It's him or nothing. Friends, evangelism is a sacrificial act of love. That's part of it when we're witnessing. Is it hard? Is it painful? Can you be rejected? Yes, but that's kind of like, it's just part, it goes with it. It's part of sacrificing yourself. Are we willing to do that? Here's something else about it, if we don't do it, is, is that we miss a great opportunity. Jesus was talking to his followers. And this is John chapter 9, verse 4. And he said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. This window is open only for so long. And one day, it's all going to close. There are risks. And it can be scary. 
But there are also great rewards. I mean, just the thought of helping someone find Christ and a whole new life, a whole new future of eternal glory, surpasses any other achievement you can make in your life. When I first started as a pastor, I'd be so overwhelmed with the thought that I could be involved in somebody's coming to Christ and their eternity being altered forever. That I would, I would, think, I would think sometimes, if I give an altar call and somebody comes up here, I think I'm going to lose it. I think I'm going to cry because that is so amazing that that would happen. And it is amazing. I mean, we don't feel it sometimes, but you think about Luke 15. Jesus said, when one person turns to the Lord, heaven rejoices. I love to read to people who accept Christ. Do you know you just caused a party in heaven right now? That you know the angels are dancing around, that something is going on, and it's not going to be reported in the press Democrat. Nobody's going to hear it on Facebook, but it's happening in heaven, what you just did. It's an, it's an amazing, awesome thing to be there for somebody and accompany them into a new life. So be willing to take the risks. Also, you know, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So part of the reason the Holy Spirit was given was to make us witnesses. So... We're not acting fully in line with the Holy Spirit if we're not witnessing. We have to somehow, somewhere, be telling people what Jesus has done for us. And then also, last thing here, is that we miss out on our life purpose. Our purpose is to be witnesses. Believe it or not, you were made for this. While it may seem as awkward as kind of wearing, you know, some knight's armor, and that's the way it can feel, you really do have a voice, you have a message, You have an audience. Somebody somewhere needs to hear your story. They need to hear what Jesus has done for you. You know, most of us are not Billy Graham. Most of us are not going to have a, you know, fill stadiums. But there's somebody out there. There's some people out there who need to hear us. It was so cool this week. I, we, we had a prayer meeting. We had the prayer meeting on, on Sunday night. And we were really concerned for one of, our, one of the guys who comes to our church, Mark. His brother's dying of brain cancer. His name is Darren. And he he's, um, has days. Hospice has been called in. And one of our concerns was, I, I told Mark, Hey, Mark, if your brother wants to talk to me, I'd love to go talk to him. I'd love to share with him the hope, you know, the hope that's in Christ. And Mark told me, he says, he doesn't want to talk to really anybody. He doesn't even want to talk to me. And we're going, oh, no. I mean, I mean, here he is at the edge of eternity. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. And so Sunday night, we just prayed, God, would you send somebody to Mark, to Darren? Darren's his name. Would you send somebody to Darren? And then I got a text that he was, he was really near the end. And I called Mark up Friday. He said, hey, Mark, what's going on? What's going on? And Mark told me. And then, he, and then he said, he says, but, he says, Darren has a friend. And his friend's a Christian. And he went over and he talked to my brother. And he talked to him about Jesus and how you can be forgiven of your sins and you can have a new life. And that you can go to heaven. It's like, yes. Isn't that great? That Darren, there's somebody out there in Darren's life. Nobody else had access to Darren's heart but this friend from his past. And you know all of us are like that? That we have access, we have a key to somebody's heart. God is, and we need to be the one that steps up in our time and take advantage of that and, and, and speak that life into someone. So, well, I want to tell you just some practical things. You know, there, there's, we, we are made for this. 
you need to find your way in this. You need to, you know, yeah, the sparks are going to fly a little bit. You may stumble and bumble and feel really awkward. You know, it's like, this is not good. But just, I want to just encourage you to keep going because that's what I did. You know, part of the Christian walk is to persevere and to be patient. And sometimes the only way that we get to some of these things is if we keep going. Because, you know, I mean, I didn't learn how to play the piano when I sat down at seven years old with my piano teacher. I was lousy. The reason I learned how to play the piano is because I kept going. My older brother was better than me, but I, but I became better than him because he stopped and I kept going. It was perseverance. And it's the same thing as some of these things. You just keep going and you'll be surprised at what God will begin to do in your life if you just say, Lord, help me with this. Okay, so here's some things that we need to know about unbelievers. First of all, normally, and these are in your notes if you want to write these down. Normally, they need multiple conversations before believing. Somebody who's tracked these kinds of things, I don't know how they do this, but there's some kind of scale. And they say normally an unbeliever needs about 30 conversations before they accept Christ. Before they come to that place where they're ready to take the leap of faith. 30 conversations. So you never know. When you're talking to somebody, you feel prompted to have this conversation. Your conversation may be number one. And they need 29 more. Your conversation may be number 17. Or it may be number 31. And they're ready to jump and take the leap of faith. But you need to know, don't get discouraged if you're talking to people and it's like, you feel like it's not going anywhere because that may be just number three. Okay, people need time. I mean, let me ask you, how, how, well, did you accept Christ the first time you heard about him? Man, I didn't. I was stubborn and proud and resistant. I said no so many times. I said no for years before I said yes to Jesus. And that's how most people are. It may take nine years. Who knows? So be patient. Be faithful. Okay? I, I, I just, I, I bank on that, you know, because most of the time when I talk to people, they don't accept Christ. They don't. Um, on vacation, you know, you're the salt, you're the light. When I go on vacation or I'm somewhere else, I don't, I don't take off my Christian hat and put it over here and say I'm no longer a believer or I don't do those Christian things anymore. I'm just going to go be me. Sometimes, you know, I just need to rest and get away from it. But if opportunities come, they come. And so I'm on, I had four opportunities to talk to people about spiritual things on my vacation. Two of them fell flat. Two of them were pretty good. One was in, a, when you go on a, on, a, on a train, there's a, on our train was the lunch car, the dining car. I didn't know this, so for breakfast we sit down and then somebody comes and joins us. I'm like, what are you doing here? What are you just sit? The guy said, they told me to sit here. You don't have a choice on a train, just so you know. It's not like a restaurant. So you have to sit with people. They tell you to sit with complete strangers. So there we are across from the table. And he's an older guy. And he said, so what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. And to me, that's an open door to, have you ever got, do you have any church experience in your background? And I asked him that, do you have any church experience in your background? No, and yeah, I could tell the resistance. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll just let it go. And I dropped it. And then uh, another one, we were getting up with our taxi driver at 5 in the morning in Vancouver. And he was from Korea. And I thought, mm, they have huge churches in Korea. So I asked him, hey, don't, I've heard they have really big churches in Korea. And he was like, yeah, yeah. I said, you ever try one or... And it was like, again, just fall flat. This isn't going anywhere. Just drop it. So I dropped it. But I tried. 
Third one, Pike Place Market. I think I said, I think I told you this one. Guy comes up, he wants to survey me and my wife. He wants to talk to guests to Seattle about the re- renovations they're making. They're tearing down a freeway, you know. And, and so he sees the guy with the Trump t-shirt over there. Oh, man, that guy's a Trump supporter. He says, do you vote for Trump? Do you like Trump? And I was like, um, you know, I'm really not into politics. What I really am into is the kingdom of God. And I, I choose Jesus as my leader because he's the one who's going to make things right. And he said, you're like my wife. <laughs> All right. I like her already. <laughs> but that one was a little better because that was an open door. Listen, you're going to ask me questions. I'm going to give you my answer. Okay. And then the fourth one was my Algerian Uber driver. And, uh, and I could tell we were talking. We got in the, uh, the, the Uber car going to the airport, and, and, and it was like, I've, I don't know if I've ever met anybody from Algeria, so I was really interested, heard things about that country, so I was, we were asking him, talking to him, what's Algeria like, how hard is it, why did you come to America, how long have you been in America, are you married, do you have kids, we're just going on and on, finding all about his life, and it's like, you know, there's some hard things, but he's a real friendly guy, real open, and then I really felt a prompting, ask this guy if you can pray for him. And so here's how I did it. So we're going through, he's talking about his life. He said, hey, you know, I like to pray for people. Do you mind if I pray for you? He said, yeah, that would be good. I said, could I pray for you right now? He said, sure. And I was watching his eyes on the, that rear view mirror, and I just prayed for him. I just laid it out there for God. And I prayed in Jesus' name. He's probably Muslim. And it was just good. I made sure I gave him a good tip at the end, you know, be representing Jesus. Um, and it was just a good thing. That was a planting a seed. A hopefully for him a positive experience that the next believer he meets he, he's going to go you know what I keep meeting these Christians and I like what they're doing what's going on with them that was the whole point so four times you know four conversations some fall flat some are good is it worth it yeah I, there's something that happens in me I just feel alive I feel alive when I do it and especially when somebody's responding so um You'll be ready for that, okay? Second thing to know about unbelievers is that it helps to use the back door, okay? Use the back door. What do, you mean, what do I mean by that? Well, don't go in all guns blazing, sharing the four spiritual laws normally, or the road, Roman road to salvation. I've found most, many people in America, I, it's changing all the time because we have a whole generation being raised up right now who do not know Christ. They've been, not been raised in the church, so this is all new and strange to them, but there's a whole older generation who was raised in the church and they turned their backs on it. And so they've got, they've got barred gates over their heart. And so if you go in like that, I'm going to preach to them, that usually is not going to work. You go in through the back door with questions and just ask them questions. What do you understand Christianity? What, what is it that Christians believe? Why do you think people go to church? It's one of the best transition questions you can get. Is, you know, why do you think people go to church? And then, and then ask, can I tell you why I think they go? You know, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can get in, but learn to ask questions and then listen and follow up on those. Okay. Now here's some things about yourself. What to know about yourself. As a believer... You have several things to share with people. Number one, you have a testimony. That's the story of what Jesus did in your life. What has he done? I can tell you mine. He took my fear of dying away. Like that. The night I prayed to receive Christ, I slept better than I'd slept in years. 
and the fears and the terror that I lived with as a boy evaporated. It was phenomenal. I was 13 years old, and it was dramatic. You think, can 13-year-olds have a, tra- a dramatic experience? Yes. Mine was amazing. I had praying, I praying with that counselor, tears running down my face, going to bed at night, just so ready. It was so great. Greatest night of my life. Changed me forever. You know, that's my testimony. You can't say, no, that didn't happen. You know, people can't say that about your testimony. Yes, it did happen. That's what changed. And I continue to change. There's more stuff I could tell you about my testimony. So you have that too. Number two, you have life lessons. You have important lessons God has taught you about recovering from grief or from divorce or financial ruin. Where has God impacted your life? Where you've been healed? Where you've been touched? How has God helped you? That needs to be heard by somebody. Also, number three, you have a godly, you have godly passions. We have different things that we really care about. Some of you might really care for the poor. You care for the unborn. You care for the mentally ill. You care for the homeless. You care for different types of people in different types of situations. And maybe because you've been there. But you have godly passions and you need to exercise that in your testimony. Number four, and you have a message. In a nutshell, the good news. Jesus Christ, when you trust Christ, he gives you he saves you, he gives you peace, he gives you purpose, he gives you life forever. That's, a, that's a, the, the short version. Now, um, uh, I want to give you just some outreach tries. Do the same thing we did last week. This green um, bookmark. Talk about what, what are some ways that you can do this. I want you to know that I think... Um, I, I, I know you can do these because I've done every one of them. Okay, and there's more that you can do. So, so here's some tries. Number one, list the names of unbelievers you know and start praying for them. That's pretty, that's not very risky. Okay, you can just use the back of this card, list three or five or seven people. I really want to see these people in heaven. I want to spend heaven, I want to spend eternity. You ever thought about that? Ask, you know what, I want to spend eternity with you. What do you mean by that? Well, I want you to be in heaven with me. I really do. I know people say that. Okay, so number two, invite someone to church or to a special event. You could pray for them before you do that. If we have something coming up, like um, if we have the Valentine's banquet or we have Halloween thing, you know, invite them to that or special Sunday, do that. Number three, ask an acquaintance if they know what Christians believe. If you already have a relationship with somebody, hey, what do you think about this? Again, you're not preaching there. You're asking and you're listening. And then following up. Another one, walking in your neighborhood, praying for the people and speaking with anyone who's available. Or start a spiritual conversation with a question. What do you think the purpose of life is? You can't ask that. I asked that question recently downtown Santa Rosa. Well, why do you think people go to church? That's another good one. Um, like I said, offer to pray for your waiter, your Uber driver, your cashier, your bank teller. If you see somebody that's troubled... You're going through the line of the grocery store, and they just look like, man, they're having a rough day. You can say, hey, i like to pray. Can I pray for you? You know? You don't have to close your eyes, anything. Just do it. Do an act of kindness. Go buy a Starbucks card for five bucks and look for somebody to give it to. They ask you, why are you doing this? Just say, I'm just trying to show God's kindness in a practical way. There's all kinds of things, but I want to challenge you to try, try one of these. Just stretch yourself a little bit. It's so rewarding. Last night, again, I, I, I shared a story 
the story of Ruth with my neighborhood friends. So four children and their, uh, four kids, two brothers and sisters, two cousins and mom, and sharing the story of Ruth. And, um, you know, we're going through, we're getting close to Dave, but we're going to get to the cross. And it's so great. These kids are listening. They're getting it. They're remembering. And I can tell it means a lot to them because the littlest guy said, Rick, you didn't come over to our house very much in the winter to share a story with us. Why didn't you? And I didn't. My mom had died, and we were going through all the stuff. I was having those tests. It's like I, took, I just wasn't out much. And, and it's like he really wants me to tell stories. And we're building this relationship, and who knows what this will lead to. I can see things for these kids in the future. And it's so great. So just, man, open your eyes and see what does God want to do. We are salt and light of the, of the earth and of Santa Rosa. I, 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 would, ooh, I wouldn't want to think what Santa Rosa would be like without believers in this place. We, we may not be a high percentage, but we're making a difference, folks. We make a huge difference. So go do it and go be it. Father, we thank you that um, we are your ambassadors. We are your representatives to tell people that there is, there is hope that there is a Savior, that there is reconciliation with God, that we have a future and that we can have peace, that we have purpose, um, that we are somebody, that we can be children of God. So God, I pray by your spirit, you would enable us to, to witness, to find our voice, to find our place, to find our audience, just like that friend of Darren came into Darren's life this week. God, help us to be that kind of a person. Empower us by your spirit, Lord. Give us a love for people. Help us to look around and see the, the hurt and the heartache and the, and the despair and the struggle in people's lives. Money's not going to solve those problems. Jesus, you are. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. So help us to, to, to re, reflect you well and represent you well. Thank you, Father. Go with us this week. um, And uh, I pray that you would impact people's lives for eternity through our life out there. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you.